Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you. I think we should put our hands together for anyone that's here that's new or visiting with friends, family. Come on, we want to welcome them. So why don't you put your hands together. So good to have you and you guys watching online. Thank you for joining us. Come on, we're going to pray and then you can sit down. You know, Good Friday is not an easy day to do justice to. So let's pray and pray for me. Jesus, how can our words portray and how can our minds conceive what you did on the first Good Friday? We want to thank you and honor you and take the time in our busy worlds to reflect on what it really meant for you to give your life and for us to inherit life. And so we honor you in this moment, in Jesus' name. And everyone said a big loud, amen. Amen. You can take your seats in the room and get comfortable online. Have you ever felt far away from someone that you love? When you wake up, the first thing you do is think about them. Throughout the day, your thoughts drift towards them. Last thing at night, you check your phone to see if there's a message from them. You miss them so much, sometimes it hurts. Could be a spouse or a partner who has left you, a parent who has abandoned you, a child living away from you, or a lover who's no longer interested in you. The older I've got, the more I've learned to appreciate tables. I'd say that I love tables. When we moved back from Australia three and a half years ago, we bought most of our furniture back in a huge container. But I didn't put our table in because I wanted to buy a new one. Maybe you're wondering, why would he do that? Because tables are really important. We come to a table because we're hungry, not just for food, but for relationship, for connection, for family. The table is the great equalizer, the level playing field, where doing stops and being starts where our masks are removed, our humanity is revealed, and our relationships are refreshed. Shauna Nequist says this, it's profound, she said, if a home is a body, the table is the heart. The people you share a table with are the people you share most of your life with. So when we came back, we bought the biggest table we could fit in our dining room. 
Big oak table with 12 chairs, which the cat has scratched to bits. We love our table. We love having our group round, our friends round, but most of all, our family round. But over the last three and a half years, the table has been tinged with sadness because there's been an empty seat where my daughter, Melody, would normally have sat. She stayed behind in Australia three and a half years ago to finish a degree. We were glad that she did that, but we didn't know that COVID would strike and it would mean for two and a half years we wouldn't see her face to face. And yes, we have FaceTime and Zoom and we, we did our best. I remember Christmas Day 2020. We were meant to be at Trevor and Joyce's, my in-laws. We were meant to be there on Christmas Day. But on Christmas Eve, my little NHS app, who loved that, gave me a little ping, a message. Christmas Eve! And so we couldn't go to Trevor and Joyce's. So what we did, we sat at the table. We had Trevor and Joyce on FaceTime. We had Melody in Australia. And we all ate our Christmas lunch together. It was creative. It was fun. But it wasn't the same. We missed her. We missed her 20th, 20th birthday. We missed her 21st birthday. We missed her 22nd birthday. It's moments like that when you realize just how important tables can be. Tables were important in Jesus' time. In Luke's gospel alone, we find that on 10 occasions, there are defining moments which occur at a table. I wish I had the time to take you to Luke 5 when Jesus says, a Jewish rabbi has the audacity to sit at a table with tax collectors and sinners. It unleashed a social tsunami. In chapter 7, the shockwaves are still reverberating when he's at a Pharisee's house and a woman comes and unloosens her hair. She washes his feet, dries his feet with her hair. This is shocking stuff in the ancient world. Jesus would sit with anyone and everyone, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been. So you guys online, if Shauna Nequist is right, if the home is a body and the table reveals the heart, and what does it reveal about the heart of Jesus? That he loves people with an incredible love. But nowhere do we see the heart of Jesus like we do at this table. That Pastor John led us in that act of communion. That that opener went forward a day to after Jesus' death and artistically portrayed what it must have been like the day after the crucifixion. So if you're new to church and you've never read the Bible, let me try and give you some background to this story of the Last Supper. Jesus had been on earth for 30 years and then he 
the age of 30, he started going out and helping people and ministering to them. And he did it for three years. And he took with him his 12 disciples, his 12 followers, and they lived together, traveled together, and ate together for three years in the northern part of Israel known as Galilee. He did incredible things, miracles. And they knew because they lived with him, they traveled with him. He was surely their Messiah. How many know that when you travel with someone, you find out what they're really like? You went on holiday with someone. You thought it would be a good idea. You thought they were an angel, and then you realized they were a demon. And you thought, what is that? What have I done? Come on, anyone ever had that experience? My, my, my family, I, I didn't know this, but they gave me a nickname. And uh, it's absolutely true. I only discovered it last week. All right, and uh, whenever we go to airports, I get stressed. Does anyone get stressed by airports? It was bad enough before COVID. Now it's even worse, all the tests. But here's the problem is I've got, I'm live with three girls and none of them can seem to fit the right amount of clothes in a case. It's always overweight. And so here's what I do. Even though my clothes are by far the biggest and take up the most space, I always leave half an empty case so I can put in the stuff that they've got to take out when we get to the airport. And who's the one that has to lug them all and weigh them all? I find airports incredibly stressful and normally they're running late. And I found out this week They've given me a name. They call me Airport Steve. <laughs> so there's nice Steve and Airport Steve. How many know when you travel with someone, you get to see what they're really like? And these disciples, they traveled with Jesus for three years. They knew there was something special about him. But as you follow Luke's gospel, the temperature's rising and you know they're going to leave the north of Galilee and they're going to go to a place called Jerusalem. And something very special is going to happen there. The disciples are waiting with expectation. In Luke 22, 1, it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. They think this is it. It's approaching. It's coming. This is when Jesus is going to reveal his power. He's going to drive out the... the the Roman occupies. He's going to establish the kingdom of God. The Passover is, emotion, is approaching. Remember the prince of Egypt? The great deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt? What was the last thing they do? They celebrated a meal called a Passover. And they're thinking, this is it. The Passover is the clue. We pick up the story in verse 7. It says, then came the day. So first it approached, now, verse 7, then came the day. This is it. But it says the day on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. They are desperate for deliverance. But first, a lamb has to be slain. And so if you read that story for yourselves, you guys online, you'll see that what happens next is Jesus tells them to go ahead. He says, go ahead and you'll find a, a two-bedroom apartment and it's going to be massive. And upstairs you're going to go in and there's a table that's been set. It's fully furnished and that's where we'll celebrate. And Peter and John are like, okay, we'll go ahead. They go ahead. They check into the hotel. They think, this is amazing. It's like a penthouse. And look, everything's ready. 
In verse 13, it says, they found things just as Jesus had told them. Say, how did Jesus know? Because he's known since the beginning of time. This is the whole reason why he'd come to this earth. Verse 14, it says, when the hour came, the day approached, the day arrived, and now the hour comes. The disciples are expecting from that great penthouse a victory speech. Maybe a Martin Luther King, I have a dream, or a Churchill will fight them on the beaches. They're looking for a rallying cry. Verse 15, Jesus says to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he breaks the bread. He says, this is going to be my body broken and ripped apart for you. And he takes a cup. He says, my blood is about to be spilt for you. You online. And the disciples are thinking, not like this. Peter says, I'll never let that happen. I'll go to prison. I'll die rather than let that happen. In the next few hours, Judas betrays him. The rest of the disciples desert him. And Peter disowns him. Jesus is left alone to suffer. First, he is stripped naked. Second, he is scourged. Burly Roman legionnaires make whips of leather and bone, and 39 times they rip the skin from his back. Third, he is scorned taunted and ridiculed for claiming to be a king. They put a crown of thorns on his head and a purple robe on his body. Fourthly, he is shamed, paraded through the streets, mocked and spat upon. And finally, he is crucified. The most agonizing death known to man. His body is broken and his blood is shed just as he said for you. But it's on the cross that he faces the final punishment. He is separated from his father's love and he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Stripped, scourged, scorned, shamed, and separated. Exactly as he knew it would be. Imagine those disciples going back to that table as our service started. 
Imagine the sense of disappointment, the unfulfilled expectations, the death of their dreams. Then there's the sense of loss, the pain and the guilt of what they'd done. They thought it was all over. See, I see that table as a picture of the human condition. Maybe it's your condition this evening. Maybe you've been through a loss. Maybe there's an empty seat at your table. Someone's missing. Maybe you feel let down and disappointed in your life, in your workplace, in your family. Maybe you feel guilty because of the things that you did to let other people down. And you've cried. And you guys online, you've cried. You're not sure whether you can go on with pain like this. You're struggling. Let's face it, there's a lot of pain in our world. Maybe there's a lot of pain in your world. Because this world ain't right. It's not how God intended it to be. Something's wrong. And we all have our opinions. Politicians and sociologists will tell you why this world is wrong. But the Bible boils it down to one word. One word which fractured our world. It's a word that's not very popular. Allow me to share it with you. It's this word, sin. Sin is a word which we think we understand, but I'd like to suggest that most of us don't. You say, how do you know that, Steve? Well, People magazine did a survey of its readers to discover what people thought about sin. It was intended to be tongue-in-cheek and but also serious, but it was very amusing, but incredibly insightful. Each sin was rated by millions of people and given a coefficient, and then published in a syndex, an index of sin. And some of the results were fascinating. Near top of the list was some of the things you'd expect, murder, rape, and child abuse. But then very close to the top was this. Are you ready for this? Parking in a disabled person's parking spot. How many of you have done that? Some of you have done it here in church, you little tinkers. Here's another one. Another sin that was high on the syndex. Cutting in front of someone in a queue was determined as more sinful than capital punishment. How hilarious is that? But we Brits don't like it, do we, when someone steps in front of us in a queue? Here's what I found fascinating. On average, people self-reported that they think they committed sins 4.6 times Per month. Now that might be Lynn Nash and Joyce, they're pretty awesome, but for the rest of us, how many know it's a whole lot more than 4.6 times? Thank you, I see one hand, that's it. That's what People Magazine says. 
What does the Bible say about this curious word, sin? Here's a thought on the screen. Sin is not something we commit. It's something we are in. Sin has infected our lives, our relationships. It actually holds us captive. No matter how hard you try, you cannot break its power. Three and a half months ago, I gave up sugar. And I did unbelievable for 2.7 months until I went to America and a place called the Cheesecake Factory. And it all came crashing down. So you see, there's nice Steve and there's airport Steve. There's sugar-free Steve and there's Cheesecake Factory Steve. That's my sin. What about yours? You know, we're all affected. Sin warps our best intentions. It shapes our unconscious impulses. It awakens our shadow side. It affects all of us, but each of us in different ways. It makes some of us power hungry, others perfectionists, others procrastinators, but it can make deceivers or addicts or schemers. But we've all been captive over things with which we have little control. The problem with sin is it enslaves us. And it mercilessly marches us on a path of self-sabotage and ultimately destruction. Sin's only goal is to destroy and hurt you. But thank God that there's good news today. This is a good Friday. Why? Because Jesus didn't leave us to our own devices, to our own death and destruction. He intervened and he stepped into our world. And if we're going to clap on a good Friday, I think we should really clap, including you guys online. You know, when God saw what was happening in our world, Speaking to everyone in the room and everyone online. As the team come up, as God looked at our world, as we suffered with sin and the pain that it brings, he felt it. Have you ever loved someone so much that when they go through pain, man, you feel it? I remember my daughter, Mercy. When she turned eight years of age, she, she was doing cartwheels in the front row in Australia, and she smashed her foot against the steel frame of the door. We took her into hospital, and she'd broken her toes. And the doctor came in, and he said, the only way to fix it is for me to re-break it. She's eight years old. She's a beautiful little girl. And I'm stood at the bedside, and man, she's got gas and air, and... And she has to brace for her toe to be broken. And I stood there holding her hand, everything in me. Wanted to jump into that hospital bed and say, break my toe. I'll take the pain if it'll fix her. And on the cross, Jesus jumped in to the hospital bed that you were in. He saw your pain and he actually said, you don't need to take it because I'm going to bear it for you. He was broken 
for you. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, for your transgressions, not His. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Apostle Paul sums it up in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says that God made Him who knew no sin. Jesus had never sinned. He'd never been polluted or infected. He was perfect. But God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that we might become. He loved you so much. He accepts you as you are, but He doesn't leave you as you are. He wants you to become everything that He made you to be, to have the life He intended you to have. So He allowed Him who knew no sin to become sin for you, for you. Good Friday was a good day. When Jesus died on the cross, the power and the bondage of sin was broken. We were set free from its grip. We no longer have to be slaves to it. And that's why I love this table. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I love it. Colossians 1:13. Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. What a promise. We can live different because of this table. And on Sunday, 35 people, and hopefully there's more, they're going to go into that pool. They're going to go down with their old life, and they're going to come up into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Why did Jesus go to the cross? John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life. You guys online, that you might have life and all its fullness. You say, Steve, you don't know what I've done. Do you know what on Good Friday? It doesn't matter what you've done. The only thing that matters is what he's done. So I think we should stand to our feet and we should sing this as a love song for what he's done. Is anybody thankful for what he's done? For what he's done for you? You know, a month ago, I was at Heathrow Airport at arrivals. Two and a half years, the table had been empty. We stood there that my daughter, who I hadn't seen for two and a half years, she came through arrivals. This is Melody, my daughter. And I hugged her. It's a hug I'll never forget. And since then, we've had an incredible month together as a family. We've been to Disney World, and that was amazing. It wasn't the fireworks. 
or even the rides that was the most meaningful it was that first night she was around the table and we played Uno together <laughs> and I think tonight as a heavenly father he stood here he's saying to you his children it's time to come home I've prepared a table with all kind of things for your life. And there's a seat with your name on it. Friend, you're not here by accident. Listening online, God is your Father. And He's saying to you, it's time to come home. You say, how do I come home? How did Melody come home? It's so far away. Good news is the price was already paid for her to come home. He's already done it for you. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. And all you have to do, say, Jesus, I know I'm not good enough. Would you come into my heart? It's simply a prayer from your heart saying, God, I need you. And we're going to take a moment for anyone here in the room or there online that wants to pray this prayer. It would be our greatest honor. What better day than Good Friday to get right with God? Maybe you once walked with God, but if you're really honest, you're not in a good place and you know you need to come home. Or maybe you're here or listening to me and you've never made that decision, never received God's love. In this moment, friend, you can. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. This is a personal moment. It's between you and God. If you know you need to get right with God, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you want to be included in that prayer, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hands or in the chat, type something and you can pray along with us. We're not going to call you forward. We're not going to embarrass you, but I would love to pray for anyone. So friend, this is your moment. This is your moment to get right with God. When I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you over there. I love that. And you guys online as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray a beautiful but a powerful prayer together. I'm going to ask you to repeat this. You can look up. It's here on the screen. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Let me pray for you, Jesus, for every person online, every person in this room that raised their hand or reached out to you from their hearts. I pray, Lord, that in this moment you will flood them with your presence. Help them to understand that the old is gone and that the new has started. And thank you that you've come in to forgive them and give them a new start. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
Amen. Come on, let's clap and let's really cheer on everyone that made that decision. I love it. Incredible. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, even if you didn't raise your hand, you've just taken the most incredible step. And there's many more. Let me give you the first two. We want to give you a Bible. It's going to help you. So if you're in the room as you leave, there'll be a team that have come especially just to meet you and give you this. Even if you've already got a Bible, just go up and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. This is your Good Friday Bible. And read it. It's going to help you. Then the other step, it's really, really important, is get yourself to church. If you don't have a church and you live in Norwich, welcome to your church. We'd love to see you. Otherwise, go to your own church. If you live away or online, find a church. And it's really going to help you take the next step and the next step. Why don't we celebrate those people one more time. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.